my prediction is that as transhumanism develops, it's pretty much all just going to be an entire sex industry. <laughs> like, it's good. You've got all these nerds with all of these high ideals. And then when, once all this stuff actually starts going to be developed, it's all just going to be sex. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mind Matters. Uh, we got the full crew here today. We've got Harrison, we've got Ilan, we've got Lucien Koch across the pond. Um, today, we're going to do a bit of a mishmash of several different things. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to tie all of the, the various pieces of this complex puzzle uh, together into something coherent and hopefully enjoyable and insightful. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, maybe Paul in the afterlife and then some contemporary stuff as well. So let's start with that. Um, Harrison, you just wrote uh, a piece on uh, the Cluster B personality and a recent manifestation that has uh, gone viral uh, across the interwebs with the Canadian shop teacher who decided that they were now a woman and started attending classes and teaching classes in the most ludicrously ridiculous, like, costume, even though it's attire. Mm -hmm. It's really just a costume uh, with the largest melons I've ever seen in my life. Um, so what was, what was that about? Well, I started the article by just giving a brief summary of the case, um, which you so eloquently put. That's pretty much you know, all, all of the, the story that's in the news. So shop teacher, apparently in the last year or so, he transitioned to being a woman, which essentially means he now dresses like a woman. So he's a shop teacher. Um, goes by the name of Kayla, Kayla Lemieux, in an Ontario school. And probably most viewers have seen the pictures if they read the news. So on, I, I, apparently, he's, it looks like he's doing this every day. Like, this is just the, the way he comes to school now. And um, just with a set of prosthetic breasts that are um, just gargantuan. Like, um, now... It's a it's a sensitive topic because it's a you know it's it's well on the one hand if it was if it was real it would just be someone's anatomy but in this case it's a man actually um, purposefully you know putting on this as a costume so these aren't real breasts it's not even like they're implants it's it's a it's it's like a, a movie prosthetic and it just like ginormous and with a thin t-shirt and the, 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 the prosthetic breasts are anatomically correct, you know, so they're the, you know, they've got giant erect nipples. And so he comes to school in this tight, sh in tight shirts, uh, tight, thin shirts. So, you know, everything pokes through and then like short, uh, tight shirts, uh, short, tight shorts <laughs> <laughs> or skirts or skirts yeah one kind of looked like a skirt but uh, but it was it was short so maybe skirts also and then like long blonde wig but it's obviously a guy dressed up as a woman and so some people complained to or 
complained or just kind of talked to the to the school board about it and was like, okay, well, what's what's going on here? And the school board sent out their boilerplate message, like um, that this is you know we we uphold the rights of all staff and students um, to create a, a safe and inclusive environment for any any form of gender identity or gender expression, and that it's it's kind of a um, well, I'll I'll get the language that they used. So, yeah, all staff. So have the equitable have the right to equitable treatment without discrimination based upon gender identity or and gender expression. And so more boilerplate about creating a positive learning environment, their school values, and ensuring a safe and inclusive environment. So, you know, the the teachers allowed to allowed to do this. The the parents just got brushed off. The students are probably just having a laugh, you know. <clears throat> it's not a very serious environment to be teaching in. So I contrasted this with a story that came out either the same day or the day after, or maybe the day before, um, regardless, very close in time, of Jordan Peterson visiting a like a private school, a state school in England, um, one of the most successful. And uh, he's basically just took a photo with the headmistress of the school, Catherine Burbal Singh, and she posted it on Twitter. And so then I just ask, um, you know, or, or state, one guess which of the two, Lemieux or Burbal Singh, was reported to the police. Because the headmistress of the school was reported to the police for hate crime for taking a picture with Jordan Peterson. And meanwhile, there's this man... Um, dressed up in like a, a kind of absurd burlesque imitation of a woman and like totally sexualized coming to school and teaching children. And yet that is like to say anything against that is just an unfor unforgivable sin. Like that is that that means you're mean, you're a bigot, you're not inclusive, you're discriminatory. And so my article is trying to piece together why exactly all of this is happening, because it seems strange, or at least I think it should seem strange, and it does seem strange, probably I'm guessing to, if not the majority of Americans and Canadians, then at the very least the majority of humans, because the Western world seems to be the only, um, you know, the only societies on the planet for whom this is a thing. And of course, for the advocates of this way of looking at the world, that just means we're, we've got the correct morality and everyone else is wrong. And the implication of all of this and what actually happens is a form of like a paramoral imposition on other people that you will be forced to come to come around to our way of seeing things. So like one of the commenters, Jay Rollins, on my piece had put it, the the goal is to dominate the public space, to 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 absolutely convince, to to establish complete control over the public space, so that there's no room for for dissent, for even just expressing a a contrary opinion, or to just say, I think this is wrong. You know, never in in our in our history has has this kind of behavior been accepted, allowed. And it's not like like American culture or Western culture has always been totally Puritan in its sexual beliefs 
and practices. Like, I mean, for for decades, for generations, there have been like there's been a place and a time for this, right? You, we have had pride parades. We ha- have had the f- free love in the '60s. We've had we've had Woodstock. We've got TV shows and movies where all of this stuff is portrayed, and we have like you know gay bars and and places where this is you know at least um, um, you know allowed and accepted to some degree, or just um, acknowledged and accepted. And yet, when it comes to schools. Or any kind of professional environment, even just in the workplace, it's not like there's ever been a time where people are encouraged to like come to come to work in bikinis, or you know, or in mankinis. And this is some this is something that Josh Slocum has talked about on his show mm-hmm. numerous times, where it's this new development where bring your whole self to work, mm-hmm. yeah. where it's you're like, supposed no, to bring. Please no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's his thing. Is <laughs> and I would totally agree. Is like some things are better left at your own home behind closed doors. Like uh, whatever you do in your bedroom should stay in your bedroom. You shouldn't take all of that with you. You shouldn't be walking around uh, if bondage is your thing. That shouldn't be something that you go to teach your classes right. in, or for you, example. Or you go to work in. It's like when you go to work, you're not you're not wearing your, your sexual fetish, mm-hmm. you know, paraphernalia. Um, you're not advertising your sexuality at work. And, and I mean, social interaction is a complex thing. Like, it's not like we have a set of hard and fast rules that we follow. And like, well, like in some schools, right, where the, the skirt had to be no more than two inches above the knee, right? And the, and the, the headmistress would bring out the ruler or the, the, the nun would bring out the ruler, right? Uh, I've heard stories like that from, I think, well... At least my mom, I don't know how common it is now, but uh, it used to be that way. Well, I have a fun story for that one. Uh, one of my teachers had took, because one of the students had come in like very ripped jeans, mm-hmm. and the teacher took a stapler and <laughs> stapled all of the holes together. So at least, you know, 20, 20 years ago, thereabouts, right. it was still, right. remnants of it were still there. Right. So there will, and there will always be people like men and women who will push the boundaries. Now I think like for men the 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 professional attire for men is pretty standardized, you know, suit and tie for the most part in in certain environments, right? And different environments have different, you know, codes, different expectations even if they're unstated but they're that, implicit. That has been like uh, uh changed in recent years as well, right? I mean, uh, it's a kind of interesting that I think in the last 10 years the suit has almost disappeared from from the office environment. I mean, there are certain exceptions, like um, lawyers, uh, for example, but even they often don't wear a tie anymore. Um, but bankers, uh, you know, it's it's pretty much gone, uh, suit and tie, at least in the US, and I think also increasingly in Europe. And and that was this, the last, you know, like uh, island of suit and tie um, left. Um, I mean, all the, you know, creative industries, they abandoned it even before. But uh, it's just interesting to note that, you know, these developments, they s- seem to go a bit hand in hand, right? I mean, if, if you have like a strict uh, uh, dress code for work, um, you know, for all kinds of professions, then something like that just wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be a thing. Um, so it's kind of like a, a, a necessary condition, I would say. Mm-hmm. And 
So, but within that, within those conditions, so you have pushing the limits, right? So you'll see this in high school, for instance, you'll have some of the girls that will push the limits on the, the revealing clothes that they'll, that they'll wear. And to the point where sometimes it's like borderline and the teachers won't say anything, but then sometimes the teachers will be like, no, you've got to put some clothes on. For one reason, it's really distracting. I mean, if you have 20 you know, teenage boys in the room, they're not going to be, be able to pay attention to class. So out of consideration for the, <laughs> for the, for the, you know, hormonal boys in the room, that's at just, just one reason, but there's that attention seeking behavior that you'll often find. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. I think is it's attention seeking behavior. It's okay. I want people to look at me. I want people to notice me and maybe, maybe for a sexual reason, maybe for another reason. Um, and it's those kind of it's 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 that kind of implicit social um just custom that 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 has really gone down the drain that's really just been thrown out and maybe it comes with the the relaxation of some of the strict rules that plays a part but never has it been that it's just totally a free for all right so there are certain expectations for for instance for a teacher a teacher should look like a teacher should look professional and shouldn't be distracting. So if a teacher comes in wearing a bikini, that's not going to be appropriate. You know, if a, if a, if a male teacher comes in wearing a speedo, that's not going to be appropriate. Like you're not, you can't do your job dressed like that. You should dress like a teacher, just like it's the same thing in any kind of position like that. Not only for strictly, um, practical reasons like uh you know if you're a construction worker you're not going to wear certain types of clothes same thing and but with a especially with a a, pro, a profession or a job that has some kind of social responsibility traditionally teachers have fit into that category they are the ones instructing youths and sex is never a part of it it's about teaching children and for a teacher to to place more importance on their personal presentation and the expression of their sexuality and their gender identity is like, it shows a, a profound irresponsibility and a, just a profound narcissism. It's the same thing with like the, with the transgender athletes, the, the girls who want to, who, or the boys who want to, com who end up competing with, with girls because they identify and, and express their gender as women. So it's just a, a profound narcissism to think, to, 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 to know that you are naturally just stronger because of your male body, and then to think, no, you know, everyone else should see things the way I see them, should accept me for who I am, and I don't really care if I've got an unfair advantage over, over all these girls, because the expression of my gender identity is more, is more important than um, just basic fairness and sportsmanlike behavior. And that's what we, that's, that seems to be the, the core feature of what's going on here, a profound narcissism and lack of responsibility. Again, if, um, like it, it shouldn't even be an issue whether or not the, the teacher is gender non-conforming because it shouldn't have anything to do with the classroom. Again, if, you know, you come in the classroom and you should be, you should be nondescript you know, you shouldn't be advertising um, like giant breasts, for, in for instance. And why why such giant prosthetic breasts? You know, that's the question. That that in itself, it's like some women do have breasts that are that large. It ha it happens. It's natural. But for for a man to then 
identify as a woman, but specifically as a woman with absolutely giant, um, like, like uh, you know, beach ball. The point oh one percent of point oh one percent in terms of right. It's 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 advertising something. It's it's a statement. It's an it's an attention seeking behavior. And I don't know. I don't know this guy. I don't know what's going on with him, but. I'm guessing chances are there's a there's at least an element of autogynephilia in there that it's a that it is a fetish that he gets some kind of sexual pleasure out of presenting himself and seeing himself and have others perceive him in some way as a woman and so that's why it comes back to to what I said earlier about like a school environment is not a place to be showing off your fetish it would be like you know one, I, again one of the commenters on my Substack was mentioned. It's like, well, are we going to see people like coming in in bondage and like wearing, um, you know, strap-on dildos? It's like that's not the place for it. So I brought up an example from Cleckley's, um, uh the caricature of love. He 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 quotes a letter that was written to him by a young doctor in a small, <clears throat> you know, American community, population of around five thousand. And the doctor was telling him this story about this 40-year-old sixth-grade teacher, um, a man, and three of the boys had complained or told their parents stories about this teacher, and um, the parents had contacted this doctor, and the doctor had contacted the school board, and eventually the doctor contacted Cleckley to be like, am I crazy here? What's um, Because this was the story, this teacher... Well, first of all, he was just telling some of the stories were that he was telling dirty stories and and uh, like dirty jokes to the boys. Um, so like, you know, risque, you know, risque jokes and stories with sexual innuendos. And so the parents and this doctor thought it inappropriate and so told the school board about it. The school board's like, no, nah, it's, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. One of the, t one of the women that, one of the mothers that was complaining just has something out, some, just has something against him because because there were rumors that he'd beaten up another boy and it wasn't even her son. So, you know, she's just on a vendetta. So we're just going to ignore it. But then some of the other stories from the boys were that, oh, well, he would also take boys back to his his bachelor apartment and wrestle with them. Sometimes he'd just happen to, you know, fondle their genitals while he's uh, wrestling with them. Um, one time he, you know, one of the boys was leaning over against the table and he unzipped his, his pants and then pretended to, to hump the, the kid and, Oh, it was all, all laugh. And, you know, he didn't actually do anything after that. It was just a, it was just a big joke. And the boys were thinking, Oh, well maybe this is some kind of just like sexual joke or something. And um, so no stories of him actually, you know, raping boys, but I wouldn't be surprised if if he had groomed some kids and, um, you know, in the process, it sounds like it's probably likely. And so, again, the this doctor tells the school board these stories and they say they looked into them. They send like a vague letter to the parents saying, oh, well, here are some of the charges against him, but we've decided to retain him as a teacher. We're, we're sure that none of this will happen again. Right. This was in the 1950s. Um, one of the commenters ha had the same thought that I did. You know, I'd, I'd thought that maybe things were a bit stricter back then. Maybe this thing, there was no, um, uh, you know, no allowance for this type of behavior. Maybe that, but apparently not. It's it's pretty similar to the to the world we're living in now. And in fact, I'd think that uh, despite despite the that there despite the fact that there is still um, 
like there are still prosecutions against pedophile teachers. You know, they still go to jail. They still get charged when they get caught. Our culture is, in, in other ways, it is much worse. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are more attempts, because there have been several attempts, to normalize pedophilia. You know, now we've got this, you know, we've got the the queer theorists and people like them uh, that are saying that, that, you know, there should be a P in the LGBTQ plus P and that, oh, but it's, we can't call them pedophiles. They're minor attracted persons, maps. And so there just seems to be this widespread um, opening up of, of, just the of the sexual politics of of our era where now almost anything goes and well and the and the goal of some of of some of these activists is that anything goes that they literally want anything to go and they're getting their way and so i quoted a couple uh, a few excerpts from Ponderology where he talks about this one of the, just the basic ideas that he lays out is that in every society there are people who who have certain psychopathologies who feel different that causes them this inner angst they don't fit into normal society they think and feel in different ways and that causes them to um, you know to be dissatisfied with the society in question and some of those people then dream of dream of a world where they are in power and where they can impose their way of seeing the world onto others. And that expresses itself in like borderline personality and psychopathy and, and, um, schizoid, um, uh, schiz- and, and schizoid ways of doing that. And one of the ways they do that is through what Lobachevsky called, you know, relatively controlled pathological egotism. And so well, what is relatively controlled pathological egotism? Well, egotism is like the, the, the arrogance, self-certainty, um, the, the belief that I'm right and everyone else is wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with me. In fact, if you think there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with you. And you see this in extreme forms of, of uh, excuse me, Extremes for, extreme forms of path- psychopathology, like an extremely paranoid person with actual, um, like identifiable, obvious delusions, like that everyone's out to get them, that they're that the the you know the Soviets are still around, they're beaming stuff into his brain, so are that so is the CIA, and um, oh, and that person over there was just looking at me. They're actually working for the the KGB, and um, you know, it's and it can be even more extreme than that to most people. You, that's obvious, right? But if you were to talk to that person and try to say, "No, there's something wrong with you," you know, this isn't this isn't what's going on. You're you're having a del- this is a delusion. They, they'd be like, "No, it's like you're you're actually part of the conspiracy. You're trying to you're trying to, conv- to to gaslight me to convince me that that I'm there's something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. There's something wrong with you." So that's the that's like the extreme form, and that's basically what is behind this. So when the, all of well, this small minority of transgender activists are convinced and have are convinced that there's nothing wrong with me, that that there's you know I have no mental health problems. In fact, there's something wrong with everyone else, and they are the ones that need to get on board. They're the ones that need to accept 
accept me for who I am and change, you know, on a very basic level, what they, what they think about the world and what they think about people <clears throat> and allow, you know, basically allow the takeover of the, of the consensus morality and the, and to shift it in this new direction. And so when you see it in those terms, it's actually, it's becomes much clearer what's going on because you can see that that that's what I was talking about with this narcissism of oh well well um, I don't care about all these other people I don't care about the kids I don't care if it makes the kids uncomfortable what's more important is me is making me comfortable making me feel accepted and wanted and 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 respected and loved um, but I but who cares about all the kids who cares about all the the girl athletes you know I'm more important this is for me <laughs> but so. Yeah, I, I wanted to add to that because, um, you know, you, you talked about the level of absurdity uh, that is on display with uh, with this teacher's prosthetic breasts, and it, it seems to me that it's not it's not just um, an an attempt to make this person feel comfortable with their sexuality, uh, so called, but it's a deliberate provocation, and the thing is. Um, I, like I've worked with trans men, men transitioning to women before who've had very small prosthetic breasts to make them themselves feel comfortable with what they were doing and who they were. And this is so in your face, complete with um, erect nipples that, you know, like some of the kids said that it was hilarious, but, but it, it also seems to be a, an inducement to, to feel something about this teacher, uh, you know, whether it be um, revulsion, disgust, or uh, some kind of odd uh, attraction among this, this teacher students. And so in that sense, it really is a, a very, uh, you know, pathological display of, of what it is they think they're doing. And uh, it, it reminded me a great deal of um, something I had read recently about uh, transhumanism. Um, there was a study done, I think 450 uh, individuals were interviewed um, with questions about what technologies they would be likely to uh, to want to use to enhance themselves. Transhumanists um, primarily are looking to do two things. One, to live forever, and two, to enhance their intelligence. But there are all sorts of other things that that the technology that transhumanism promises uh, present as possibilities. And what, what the psychologists doing the study uh, discovered was that the individuals who, who were most likely to want to adopt uh, the technologies uh, of enhancement uh, fell into the dark triad of, of psychological traits, Machiavellianism, psychopathy and narcissism. And so, you know, you, you have this whole, there's the, there's transgenderism, transhumanism, and this, uh, this will, this trend, this mindset, um, among many now in, in both trans communities to, to take the shortcuts, to, to look at a material, uh, technology or means of so-called enhancement or change uh, to affect some 
perceived improvement in their lives. And this isn't to say that, you know, many of us don't use health technologies to make ourselves healthier and to, uh, you know, to improve this or that system in our bodies. Uh, but, but there are degrees to which people are willing to engage in technology, engage in so-called enhancement, engage in um, uh, augmentation. You know, we've seen people uh, with, with all kinds of piercings or, or changes to their physicality that make them resemble animals. Um, demons, demons, uh, fork tongues, um, uh, radical pigmentation, eye changes, um, all of these kind of, uh, outer and inner changes that, um, that are, are very, uh, very much shortcuts and, and quick fixes and pathologized ways of addressing what I think would otherwise be described as a, as something that's missing in their makeup, missing in their, uh, in their being. And they unfortunately don't have the tools um, or are unaware of the many tools that are available to us that could seek to make them whole in a way that, that all of this is pointing to. Uh, th this this deficiency that is screaming for the quick fix, screaming for the, the 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 superficial shortcut, screaming for the newest bit of technology that's going to, you know, make everything great, make everything uh, wonderful, make make a person beautiful, make a person more intelligent, make a person more um, attractive, uh, what have you. Well. There, uh, <laughs> There's one interesting thing with that, Alon, that um, if you if you think about the word, you know, trans, uh, there's another word that goes along with what you're talking about that also begins with trans, and that is transcend. Uh, that in some way is kind of the purpose in, in many different things. Uh, the the spiritual and the materialistic uh, and the transhumanist, they're looking to transcend their biological limitations. Uh, whereas in the more spiritually aligned community, they're looking to transcend the material. Um, and so then I think you're looking at possibly at two groups of people who uh, are are both looking to do the same thing, which is transcend what they currently are, but are going about it in two different ways because of two different inner makeups, two potentialities, two possibilities, which exist. Um, one is to actually transcend materialism to go in towards the, the spiritual side of things. And then one is they think is transcending the material, but really is grounding them even further into it and taking them further into the material. Um, so I think that kind of, you know, speaks to what you're talking about with the development of all of these kinds of issues that seem to have similar roots, uh, you know, along the dark triad traits where they are looking to transcend, like you say, by pigmentation, by alterations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's their fundamental makeup for whatever reason, um, you know, to go with the anatomy of violence, 
Um, there could be some kind of, you know, brain abnormality. Uh, if you want to look at it from a spiritual perspective, maybe they're just, you know, uh, souls on a different path um, than a majority of people. Uh, it's hard to say one way or another. Um, but I think that that's, you know, two ways that we can kind of like look at this and then maybe go from there is to, um, you know, either what's actually going on or what can be done or, you know, how to actually go about it uh, for us as individuals. I don't know. What do you guys think? Mm -hmm. Well, first, just yeah. my prediction. Oh, one, one sec, Lou. I'll just give my prediction and then I'll let you go and then I'll say my thought after you. But my prediction is that as transhumanism develops, it's pretty much all just going to be an entire sex industry. <laughs> like it's good. You've got all these nerds with all of these high ideals. And then when, once all this stuff actually starts going to be developed, it's all just going to be sex. It's all just going to be sexual augmentation and um, like essentially like furries, but the transhumanist version. So you're going to, you'll have the people turning themselves into like lizards and demons and, and just making it as realistic as possible, getting like super, um, like super prosthetic sur surgery. And, um, and then it'll, there'll be like neural, neural adjustments to enhance pleasure. And, and it's just, it's just going to be one huge, uh, sex industry. That's my prediction. Because that that seems to be what humans do. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good uh, segue to what I was going to say. Uh, you know, to bring bring the boobs uh, <laughs> together with a spiritual perspective. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite um, thing to do. <laughs> bring bring yeah, the boobs yeah, I mean, full that's circle. The whole, what the show is about, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. So um, I, I think you know, uh, coming back to the this. Uh, teacher and and also what you said about transhumanism and and the you know and the and the and this the sex industry that probably will develop out of that and um i think there's something about all of that that just speaks to a certain um yeah let's say a certain anti-spiritual path if you will um and that's the idea to basically um be like a, a a black hole right and and just um trying to get get something you know attention sex pleasure um uh all of that stuff and and i think the the teacher is a good example of, of you know it's basically both right just uh get a sexual kick out of it and get attention uh and all of that and um I'm I'm currently reading a, a book by Simone Weil, um, which I found find quite interesting. And she talks about you know this idea, and it's it's a bit like um, like Gurdjieff talked about. You know that the, she calls it gravity. It's basically that the the law that you know reigns this realm, and uh, you you pretty much you know have hardly any choice except following it. And and one. And and that what she says there's there's a way basically to to open yourself up to grace basically to 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 God um, and that alone can make the difference you know otherwise you're just gonna be pulled along by gravity uh, and have no choice and and what she says is um, that uh, one way to do that is has to do with intention and um, basically to to go to do things without expecting to get anything out of it so uh and that she says oh, creates a vacuum 
you know, an energy vacuum because usually, you know, you do something, you get something and, and in that vacuum, uh, grace can come in. Right. And, and I think that's, that was kind of a nice way of, of putting it. And, um, and obviously, uh, you know, that's, that's the, I mean, you could argue that you always kind of do have some goal, right? I mean, even if it's spiritual development, but I guess that's, you know, semantics. Uh, the point is more um, to not act uh, purely in ways that are expedient and and that you, you know, basically want to get something out of it. Um, but uh, d- deliberately try not to expect anything in, in certain situations. And, um, and I just thought that's, that's kind of fitting, you know, with, when, when you look at the culture, when you look at the uh, teacher with the big boobs, um, it's the exact opposite, basically, right? It's just, um, you go in, you, you, you want to do, you want to just suck all the energy around you, or you want to get attention, everything like sexual pleasure, all of that. Um, and with the transhumanists, it's a similar story, right? I mean, it's just to, to get something out of it, to make your life long, you know, prolong your life. And, 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 and as you said, Harrison, despite all the lofty goals that, as we know, are often kind of like a disguise, right? Anyway, if people talk about lofty goals and, you know, what will happen is pretty clear, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you don't need to be a genius to, to know what, what what will happen, you know, once people start plugging their their brains into stuff. Um, so I, I just found that's um, a good way of looking at it from a sort of like um, a hidden hidden spiritual world perspective, or like um, uh, what might be going on um, in the spiritual realm, you know, um, in 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 those situations. And uh, the way I see it with the with the booby teacher is. Basically, in the spiritual realm, she's just a you know basically a demon trying to suck energy uh, around her, and uh, it's the exact opposite of you know what what Simon Weil is talking about here with uh, how to create a vacuum to have grace, get a connection to grace, basically. And uh, and and I just wanted to add something about the whole this whole booby issue, you know, because you said uh, uh, someone, I think. Um, something along the lines that you know in the past yeah in connection with Cleckley's story uh that uh, maybe things were always bad you know in in a sense and 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 i think um what strikes me is, as a difference you know to to where we are today i mean there were always hypocrites you know there were always pedophiles psychopaths um corrupt politicians you know the whole nine yards and and then there might even be an argument that it was as bad as today, right? I mean, always, maybe. Um, but the thing is, and and that's where Lobachevsky really was kind of prophetic um, with uh, what he said about, you know, psychopath and, and pathological schizoid people. They, did, they want to create a world where they are in charge, right? Where their values are the norm. And I think that's the difference. I mean, you, you always had, you know, the the corrupt gangster politician, you know, but these days, I mean, that's what they basically advocating for, <laughs> you know, and you always had the pervert teacher, right? Um, but, uh, you know, you, you couldn't like come with, with boobies like that into class, they would put you straight in jail, right? I mean, just straight away, just boom, 
to off to jail you go, you know, in the fifties. I mean, that wouldn't be even a question, you know. I mean, they probably would would have beaten her up, you know, at the, the or him um, mm -hmm. at, at the police station or whatever. You know, I mean, it's just the values. Um, uh, it's a difference. That's my point, you know, to uh, having like hypocrites and perverts around, uh, which is pretty much always the case. And just openly promoting it and uh, forbidding everybody else to to say anything about about it. That's pretty much the 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 dream of the pathological individual, right? To have this world that serves him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's an element of exhibitionism. That's the word I was one of the things I was trying to think of earlier. That like there, exhibitionism is a thing, and and I'm pretty sure. Well, I don't know what it's like today because you don't often hear about stories about streakers or, you know, people, you know, guys in in uh, public parks at night who, you know, who flash people. Um, I, I, you know, I remember hearing about it a lot more when I was when I was younger. And then stories, of course, or in movies about previous times, like the 50s or the 60s. And like you said, the, those people would just be arrested. Um, oh, Adam's thinking about something. <laughs> yeah, I just because uh, there's a number of uh, chat apps that like I've seen different language YouTubers use oh, yeah, and yeah. even like musicians yeah. Where, yeah, like Omegle, I think yeah, Omegle. where they'll, you know, you can talk to anyone in the world That's where it is. and you can, you can, you know, ask them, Hey, uh, name a song and then they can play it on a guitar or, uh, you know, a keyboard or they can, you know, say, Oh, well, what language do you speak? And then they start speaking. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, the, the secret master of this language is able to communicate with them. And it's, you know, it's a shock factor thing for the YouTube, whatever video that they're doing, but that, because you have some, like, I've seen some of those videos and some of the kids that are on there yeah. are like super cynical in a lot of ways. Like these are kids who are like nine or 10 years old. Their parents don't know what they're doing, nor do they care. They're not around. And so they're just exposed to, and these are, you know, these are websites where adults can talk to kids at any time and there's no censorship. So yeah. God only knows what these kids are seeing. Yeah. No, I, I, well, I, I know a little bit of what they're seeing because I've watched a couple of videos like that. Um, one of those, one of them is this guitar player, the do, I think his name is. The do, so, yeah. so he's just a, an amazing guitar player and he goes on Omegle and I, just from some of the things he's said about in, in his videos about doing that every time you, okay, well first describe what Omegle is. So it's like a, a video chat thing where you can put in your interests and then you can just randomly chat to anyone else who might share an interest with you. And so you just click the button, a new person shows up, you can start chatting with them. Then you can, if you don't like them, you can immediately leave and move on to the next person. And it's just, it's kind of fun because you never know what you're going to get. But what the, what the dude was saying is that every time he does this, you know, th you get multiple guys just showing you their dick. Like, it's just all over the place. And then you see all the people, it's mostly kids that are on this thing. They might be teenagers, they look like they're like 13, 14, some younger, like you said. So every one of these kids is seeing that every time they go on Omegle. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes one of the kids will say, oh, you know, you're the, you're the first guy I got that, you know, wasn't just 
showing me is junk. Yeah. Like, so that's, that's what kids are, are seeing, you know? And so yeah, I, I totally forgotten about that. Yeah. So that's, that's where the exhibitionism is these days. It's because you can just do it from your own home and get anonymously the and no yeah. one will ever find out. Yeah. So it's, it's totally crazy, but, um, I want to move in the direction you were going, uh, Luke, but first I want to, to, to get into that, I want to reiterate something that we were that we were kind of leading to before. So, about these, how to look at this situation, like the different types of people involved, and I think what it comes down to is that there are just some ways of being in the world, ways of experiencing the world, <clears throat> and acting within it that are just incompatible, and that you're never going to have a perfect solution. So you're never going to have a perfect solution where, for example. A minority, a minority um, of the population who has a certain psychopathology where they feel like the world, um, where they totally fit in the world because they can't totally fit in the world because most people aren't like them. Um, and and it, is, it is a tragedy in a lot of cases. And you can see this, for instance, with a lot of cases of autism where autistic kids just, they can't fit in because they're just not wired the same way. And so there might be this, uh, this basic incompatibility. Now, the, what we, what, you know, a healthy society can do is try to create environments and understandings to, to allow for that to the greatest extent possible. And to, you know, like, um, special, um, special teaching programs for, for the, for these kids when they're kids, you know, special teaching environments, learning environments, et cetera. Um, maybe programs for adults with, certain, you know, learning disabilities or, or even what these are is emotional disabilities, personality disabilities. But when it comes down to it, this is one of the points that Lobachevsky makes is that despite all this stuff, there's a very basic reality is that they, um, like these types of psychopathologies are a minority and it's not the job of the, of, to change the majority um, at, on a fundamental level to, to accommodate the minority. In fact, it's the, it's unfortunately it may suck, but it's the majority's job or responsibility to try to adapt to the world that they live in, to the majority. So, and this, that might sound totally evil for some of the people that are listening, but it's common sense if you think about it, because it's think about we'll we'll go to the extreme. We'll talk about the the dark triad and and psycho psychopaths. So a psychopath actually believes that he deserves your stuff. If he wants it, it should be his. So that's why psychopaths con people. That's why they steal. That's why they kill because they want your stuff. They want your either your work. If you're in a workplace environment, they want to steal your work and get the credit for it. If you're some granny that's, that's, um, um, a bit naive and not street smart. Well, then they, then she deserves to have her savings stolen by a psychopathic con man, you know, either on the phone or who shows up on her door. Um, that, that is the world that a psychopath wants to live in one where your stuff is automatically his and because he deserves it. And you obviously deserve to lose it because you're such a sucker. Now, because that exists, because there is this psychopathic minority that wants to take your stuff and perhaps kill you if you don't want to give it to them, does that mean that the rest of society should just give into that and just be like, oh, well, you know, we're, a, we're an inclusive society. We want to make sure all of our members feel safe and included and respected. So just give them the money, you know, just gr grandma, just, just let them take it, you know. 
he he just doesn't understand. He just he really does deserve your stuff because he's special. He's and he's different. It's like no, that's not the way the world works. It's not the way the world will ever work. And I think people need to kind of realize that. So when you look at the numbers, how many people in the world are actually going around dressing up as women, wearing giant boobs? I haven't seen one. This is the first one I've seen. There's obviously something wrong with this situation, you know, with the individual in question. There's something abnormal going on here. It's not a matter of, oh, well, this is just totally normal. It's obviously not normal. So why, why is it then his students' responsibility to put up with this? Why is it the parents' responsibility to put up with this? No, it's the responsibility of, uh, of you know, a person in that, in that situation to read the room and say, okay, you know, I'm in this environment. I guess I've got to kind of constrain my self-expression for the period of time that I am in this situation, you know, out of respect for everyone else in the room. And I'm going to be, I'm going to try not to be super selfish about it. You know, I'm going to try to be a little selfless about it. And then maybe when I get out of this environment, I can let loose and, uh, you know, put on my giant boobs in the mirror and admire myself. Go ahead. But the, our, our, priorities and responsibilities have been just completely inverted. And so to, to bring this back uh, to this new direction, there, well, one thing that, that kind of came to mind when thinking about these kind of incompatible ways of being is, um, well, we could, do we want to look at this in a more spiritual terms? Because there's some interesting stuff in, um, well, Luke, you've written a couple articles on uh, like Paul's theology, like the original original Christian theology in the, the, the letters of Paul, which is actually quite interesting, even if you're not Christian. Um, and I've been reading, recently I just started reading this book, The Gnostic, the Gnostic Paul. So, because some of the Gnostics in like the second century <clears throat> had a very particular and interesting way of interpreting Paul's letters, um, a very Gnostic way, believe it or not. And some in- they had some interesting ideas about like people, because Paul talks about some interesting things. I mean, he's got some infamous things that he said, but, um, but he seems to describe different types of people. Like he describes, um, I can't remember the, well, like very basically, you, you, you might have like just the evil people, and then you've got what people he calls the elect, you know, the, the saints, the people who are, are perfected. And then you've got the kind of people in the middle who, who are kind of uh, struggling and uh, can't necessarily do what they want to do and end up doing the things they don't want to do. And there's, so there are these kind of divisions of humanity that are, are roughly hinted at or alluded to in Paul's letters. And the Gnostics just take it and they go like, full-on hardcore it's like no there's this group there's this group and this group and that and it's it's totally set in stone and it's like so you've got the hylix you know those are like the demonic people that are just totally entrenched in materiality and uh and 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 physical nature and the you know so those are the demons and then there's the the psychics so these are the psychics from the word psyche so these are the kind of just the regular mind or soul people who are more uh, guided strictly by social convention and the the kind of um, the stoicheia or the the elements the the religious rules the 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 social rules and they can kind of go in either direction they can choose you know which side to be on and then there's the the pneumatics the pneumatics the 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 spiritual pneuma being breath or spirit so there's the spiritual the the pneumatics and they are the ones they are the elect they're the kind of perfect ones who 
in some cases may may struggle because they still live in spiritual bodies, but they're the ones who are perfected. They don't need to be saved. Um, um, to, well, in the same in the same manner that the psychics need to be saved. So you've got this you know strict division of hylix psychics and pneumatics, and um, I think they they probably read a bit too much into Paul, like stuff that it wasn't there, but they actually do so in such a way that's internally consistent. And they can, you know, so they can look at, 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 uh, you know, a passage in the, in the letters of Paul that maybe wasn't intended the way they wanted it to, but the way they interpret it, everything, everything works and everything fits together, which is kind of, inter- kind of interesting. But I think that they actually, by doing so, they actually get to, they, they get, they get at some of the things that were hinted at, at these, in these letters is that, there, there are these rough divisions, like of if you think about it, you, there, like if you just look at the world, there are people who seem fully entrenched in this physicality, and we've been talking about that, uh, you know, in relation to trans, transgender, transhumanist ideology and the, the dark triad, psychopathy, narcissism, Machiavellianism, and then you've got people that are kind of like wishy-washy, that kind of a uh, um, can go one way or the other. They might follow the crowd, and then you've got people that seem to be just immune to that and to to those who who are are either in the process of or who have kind of in a sense transcended that materiality and um there so there are resonances with all kinds of other systems too whether it's like later esoteric christianity or or um like gurdjieff that we've talked about this some sufi traditions you know dabrowski's psychology you know a ton of different directions to go in but i wonder if you guys had any thoughts or or you know wanted to take that in any different directions yeah i mean um uh one thing that came to mind uh when when you talked about um you know leading up to the to, to the paul issue um was uh yeah this 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 idea that um you know it might sound cruel to separate you know, society into like this group and that group. Um, let's say like a psychopath and 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 healthy people for for a start. Um, and uh, I think that the the big difference um, is that um, you, you cannot make the case as people are trying today. You know, all the the liberals and and that everything goes kind of thing. That is just you know like people are just different and um and so just uh, leave them be right and and don't discriminate against them because um I was thinking about a, a philosopher that I read read years ago Bernard Williams um an English guy I think he wrote uh, like in the seventies eighties nineties something like that. And he uh, um, wrote a book about morality, um, and he was kind of an atheist, and so it wasn't really spiritual or anything. But he had he described um, the what he called, I think, the amoralist. Um, so that's basically someone who, within a moral system, um, is a parasite, right? So he um, basically takes advantage of morality, and and. He didn't use the psychological terms, but I think it's pretty close to what we would call a psychopath or something like that. Um, because the the thing is, you know, it's not that a psychopath or some of these uh, path, path, psychopathologies that they are just different, right? And you could just put them maybe on an island together, and they they would do their thing and just would be just different, you know. And and there you go, uh, because they they need 
you know, the they need the environment of normal people to prey upon and they need to be a parasite. So you can't just put them, you know, somewhere on an island. Uh, that wouldn't work. You know, they, they exist. Cruel. The, the very reason they, they can exist, right, um, is uh, that they pray and that they uh, use the the, the the morality and the, the values of normal people, normal society as their hunting grounds and, you know, prey on people. And, and that's why, you know, thinking about it, it, it might not be sustainable for them, you know, to uh, even though they want to transform society in in their image, they they might ultimately self destruct, right? Because if there's no uh, value system, no no morality that they can prey upon, you know, if it everything like just goes to hell, then they they might not be able to exist either. So that's that's kind of like the the first thing, um, and uh, yeah, um, I don't know where where to go with. You know, with the with this distinction of like the diagnostic distinction, but um, I think there is definitely something to it in in Paul. You know, when when you he he talks about you know pe people who walk according to the flesh and people who walk according to the spirit, um, uh, things like that. And it seems also at times that he thinks that you can actually develop. You know, to I mean, that's what he was trying to do, I suppose, um, to uh, help people get to that place where where you can walk by the spirit. Um, so I think that's some, something to keep in mind as well. It's not, you know, that um, you you are born as this super enlightened being, and that's pretty much it, you know, and, and it's a done deal. Um, but the way I, I read it uh, or I understand it is more that... Um, we might be different in our potentials, right? And then so there, there might be, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, someone who's who has a very high potential spiritually, um, but you know, if things don't go well, he could as might as well end up, you know, a total materialist and scumbag. You know, I mean, it, it there's some effort that is required to actualize that that potential. Um, so, so that's. I think something really important to keep in mind uh, to avoid, you know, if you engage in that type of gnostic thinking, let's say, uh, to avoid like a, a simplistic picture that you just can easily, you know, point to people and say, okay, this guy, he's very advanced, you know, this guy, oh, he's a materialist, you know, and and this guy, um, yeah, he's an NPC, you know, <laughs> so that, that it's just um, uh, not not so easy and. And we should be very careful because um, sometimes, you know, that's what Paul also talks about, right? This subtle perception of the spiritual, which is super uh, difficult. Um, and you can see in the Gospel of Mark, right, which uh, is basically an exposition of Paul's theology. Um, uh, you can see that play out in, in in the narrative, right, with all those people who just don't get it, you know, and uh <laughs> constantly fail his disciples and they just never never get it and even if it's pretty obvious you know and uh so it can be it can be really hard uh to to develop this subtle perception and it's it's not you know that just because someone says uh, something you know that you kind of agree with politically you know then you conclude all oh, right so this is an advanced spiritual yes. soul or whatever. another advanced you know, so, uh, soul you agree just, with uh, me 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. So it's just, you know, I think a better way of thinking about it might be in, in terms of potential uh, for development and uh, that it's very subtle. And I don't know what your experiences are, but, you know, I have known in my life a few people that I just thought were absolutely wonderful and great and uh, and deep, you know, um, who never read a book in their life, you know, didn't know anything about politics, nothing, right? But I would much prefer those to, you know, certain uh, trolls on the internet who, you know, like know all kinds of stuff and uh, take uh, and think they're super advanced, you know? And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit simplistic what I said now, but I think you, you, you get the point, right? So that it's just, uh, it's a subtle affair. I think maybe to go along with what you said, because, you know, I agree with you to to have it in just three very strict categories. Like even if there is some sort of nuance to it, that still is rather like simplistic and kind of shallow um, where, like you're saying, uh, potential, I think, is one aspect of it. But I think in, in inclination would be another piece of that puzzle um, where you know, everyone has certain potentialities and then everyone has different inclinations. And so, whereas you could see the, um, what were they called? The, the Hilux. The Hilux uh, as being, you know, like uh, born of stone, so to speak, where it's just, you know, completely unchangeable and immutable in any and every way. Um Maybe in certain cases, um, but I wouldn't want to paint that with a broad brush, even with certain people who fit within a cluster B personality disordered, um, you know, framework. Like even I wouldn't want to paint too, too wide a, a, with a too wide a brush on that, so to say. Um, so then I think if you, like you say, you bring in uh, potential and inclination where each um, person has their own, uh, inclinations and potentialities. And, and that gets into situations of, I think things we can't even really grasp. Um, because then you're talking about like soul potential. Well, what does that even mean? What does that look like? Um, but then you could look at it from a Debrousey standpoint of, uh, multi-level, you know, positive or negative uh, integration. Um, and I think that would be a really useful framework for being able to kind of tease out what, th what the, what the spiritualist language is actually describing in a real way. I think that becomes a really good and useful tool. And so everyone has different potential for it. And some people have different inclinations. Some people are interested in being the best possible person that they can be. Um, some people just aren't that interested and that's okay. You know, that's just, you know, natural, yeah. normal human divisions. Yeah, for Dabrowski, for Dabrowski the, like, both things were important, multi-levelness and multi-dimensionalness. So um, I think that those frameworks, they're kind of, they're interesting and probably true to a large degree, but but as heuristics. Yes. You yeah. know, so they're, they're, they're roughly true. So in, in practical reality, you will find people who never develop past a certain point and who seem to have zero developmental potential. You'll have people that seem to have some developmental p potential. And if you track the course of their life, maybe they, you know, they have 
they rise and fall and they in different dimensions and they're you know kind of all over the place but then you also have individuals throughout history the you know the exemplars the 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 you know the perfect the perfected you know the people that that are that seem to have fully developed or very fully developed their their personality to the point where you would consider them one of the elect and but the way i see it is is more of like a bell curve where you have like the lowest level of of developmental potential and the highest and the highest it's almost guaranteed that no matter what life experiences that person is going to you know to to be great and then you've got the people at the the very bottom who chances are throughout their life they're going to be a total train wreck or you know just a total psychopath but it might be helpful to think of the process and the potential as like almost stochastic in nature. So even at the even at that bottom part, there's a non-zero chance that development is possible, even if it's very tiny. And there's a non-zero chance, you know, even at the top that that person can can go down a bad path and and turn really evil. And and so the 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 borders between these heuristic categories can be more blurry than would have first than they would first appear as, right? And um, another, maybe another way of looking at it is because really all of the, all of the clinical and just observational evidence of psychopaths, like the, the, the true, true, uh, true blood, you know, true born psychopaths are that they don't change, you know, they may mellow out with age, but their, their nature is set in stone. Right. But it may be, so when looking at any individual case, it may be that, okay, you can say this person we've looked at their entire life birth to death and there was zero sign of of developmental potential but when you look at them as a group it's almost like as a group oh well maybe you know maybe there's one or two who can you know change a bit and uh you know maybe maybe move up a little level maybe they'll never maybe they'll never be a you know a saint but uh but there but there is that non-zero chance that something is possible and um i th- i think it just maybe it it helps to just keep in mind that way of looking at things when, when, uh, when trying to, to categorize, you know, categorize people into these broad groups. Well, I think that brings us kind of back to the beginning of the show in a sense, because when we were discussing, uh, transgenderism and, and this, uh, the booby teacher and, uh, how it relates to the dark triad and transhumanism, we were looking at, at those ways of thinking that are not conducive to any kind of um, spiritual development or growth in a non-materialistic sense. And what we've moved towards in this discussion is um, acknowledging that there is uh, a potential within many of us, uh, given the will, given the material, the knowledge, the, the ways of thinking about it, that um, and the work, as you were saying earlier, Luke, uh, of of growing ourselves in in some fashion, um, and so you know it reminds me a little bit of of Verse Lewis's you know one of the things that that he had said in the interview uh, of recent um, recently in the show that we had with him is that it it is helpful just to know. Um, on one level, that there are uh, things that that are out there that do address these issues, that that do discuss our development and reaching for an understanding that is um, 
on a level above where we may currently be. And I think that Paul uh, is one such voice for this development within ourselves and, and how we uh, connect to that higher function and that higher um, level of understanding. Uh, I found it very interesting, for instance, that you know, in, in, the, in a recent article I came across on transhumanism, a, a religion for postmodern times, the author quotes Paul towards the end of it as a, as a counterpoint uh, to the, this new postmodern religion of transhumanism, that Paul's message of, of love and, um, and having love uh, and having knowledge <coughs> is a basis um, for uh, going in that opposite direction. Um, but it's just not something that we're, uh, we're ever instructed to do. Um, most of the, the sermons and, and the preachings that I think I've heard growing up are kind of two-dimensional. Um, and I've, I've never gone to a, a class in university that, that began to broach these subjects with any amount of depth. So uh, we have things that we can look at um, if we're so inclined, as you uh, would say it, Adam, to, to look at them and to assimilate uh, and to reach for. And that's what we do. Do you want to wrap it up there? Elon always has the, the closing <laughs> argument. It's the closer. Always sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a good spot to end, unless you guys had anything else to say. Luke, I'm just wondering how that will play out with the with the booby uh, story, because <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I hope that uh, that people will, you know, like maybe be uh, motivated to, or as Adam said, like uh, be more inclined, maybe towards um, different views of the world, different outlooks, because it's just so crazy. So that's my hope. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that'll do it for today. Thank you all for joining us. And hopefully you got uh, some interesting uh, thoughts, uh, some things to uh, pique your interests. Uh, and your inclinations. So if you like the show, like it, subscribe, yes. share it around the spheres on the internets. If you've listened this far, the least you can do is like and subscribe. <laughs> That's what I say. And uh, we'll see you all again soon. Bye. <laughs>